Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, why the next big tech IPO isn't the next pets.com and the Democrats' first debates get set. But first, disrupting Hong Kong. So this past week saw massive protests in Hong Kong, with hundreds of thousands of people taking to the streets to object to a proposed rule whereby those in Hong Kong could be extradited to mainland China for certain alleged crimes. And yeah, I know some of you are thinking, isn't Hong Kong part of China? And the answer is yes and no. Yes, in that China regained control from the British back in 1997. No, in that China promised the region a high degree of autonomy for 50 years, which has been known as the one country, two systems arrangement. But the extradition rule, or proposed extradition rule, is viewed by many in Hong Kong as an impingement on that promise, particularly in that one of the big things Hong Kong has maintained is an independent judiciary. And if the rule goes through, it could cause global business to stop using Hong Kong as their preferred gateway to Asia, or as The Economist referred to it in an editorial, quote, a fragile bridge between a one-party state and the freedoms of global commerce. The bottom line here is that China cutting into Hong Kong autonomy could have as much impact on global business as the ongoing U.S.-China trade war. The big difference, though, is that the people of Hong Kong are fighting back through these massive protests, braving a whole lot of tear gas and rubber bullets, and more protests are scheduled for this weekend. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with David Lawler, editor of the Axios World Newsletter. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios World Editor Dave Lawler. This extradition bill and this extradition issue, is that really the kind of the fundamental reason hundreds of thousands of people are out in the street? Or is it more what that bill represents in terms of government control? Right. So some of the protesters in Hong Kong have been saying they fear that this is the next big step toward making Hong Kong just another Chinese city, right? Hong Kong has had a distinct status since it was returned to China from the UK in 1997. It is had, obviously you can't do this in mainland China. You can't get hundreds of thousands of people on the streets. You don't have an independent judiciary, which is what people fear will be compromised here. They fear that this is the next big step from Beijing to bring Hong Kong further into its orbit and kind of whittle away at the freedoms and and the separateness of Hong Kong. For Hong Kong, what's the latest? What's happened in the last, I don't know, 12 hours here? So we've seen reporting this morning that some senior figures in Hong Kong are saying we need to slow walk this. We need to have a little bit more debate. We need to let tensions cool a little bit, and then we can revisit this down the line. We haven't heard that from the chief executive of Hong Kong. The the public position is still that this is going to go ahead, but there are some signals now that they're not going to force this thing through quickly as they had been threatening to do. The chief executive and the chief executive's office, kind of the rest of the the senior government in Hong Kong, seem to be between a rock and a hard place, right? Because they're, you know, for all the talk about Hong Kong, is it independent or not? These folks are quasi-independent, but not really. They seem to be in a pretty tough position from a job perspective. Right. They're responding to two constituencies here, right? The people of Hong Kong, who they nominally represent, and, <laughs> yeah. and, the, um, uh, and the Chinese government, who really are, are the ones who have put them in a position to have power in Hong Kong. So they, you know, obviously China wants this bill to go through, but now they have a potential fall guy. If things ratchet up so much that it has to be pulled back, they can say, look, this was led by the Hong Kong leadership. They misplayed this, and we think we need to pull this back. And 
and give the people, well, I don't know if they'd call them concessions, but, you know, give this a little bit more time. So they're in a very difficult position. The chief executive of Hong Kong, Carrie Lam, she was emotional in an interview saying people are uh, saying I'm selling out Hong Kong. You know, I've lived here my whole life. How could I be selling out Hong Kong? Uh, but people certainly do feel that way. And, and um, you know, I, I think that the people of Hong Kong feel like they're not represented by leadership. And so they have to do this themselves. They have to make these public statements themselves because nobody in elected office is going to do it for them. And if they do, then there's talks about major, major protests again this weekend, similar to what we saw earlier in the week. Would you expect that we're also going to see tear gas, et cetera, again? Because that was kind of the images which came out, which, you know, for all of the is Hong Kong independent, is Hong Kong not? That sure looked like the government in Beijing. Right. So in previous protests, including this umbrella movement a few years ago that was for increased democracy in Hong Kong, there have not been crackdowns like this. They've sort of let the protests peter out and then gone ahead. In this case, the protests were so massive. These are the largest we've seen, according to a lot of the reporting, since Hong Kong was returned to China in 1997. Obviously, the fact that they were surrounding the legislative building and not allowing debate on this bill to go forward put authorities in a difficult position. But a lot of people were surprised at how heavy-handed the response was. It will be really interesting to see if they've reconsidered. If this happens again, if they think this was such an embarrassment for China, really, that they have to do it differently next time. Let's talk about what this means uh, from a global perspective. And I, let's say from a, a D.C. perspective, since that's where you are this morning. The U.S. outlook or the U.S. policy towards China has kind of been this, the policy has been this one country, two systems outlook on it. If the extradition bill goes through, whether it is this week or, say, in four months from now, does that impact U.S. policy? And then the corollary to that is kind of global business or at least the way U.S. companies interact. And you kind of use Hong Kong as this way station to Asia. Right. So Nancy Pelosi has come out and said, if this goes ahead, we will reconsider the special trade status that Hong Kong has, because that's based on Hong Kong being autonomous, having its own system in place. If that goes away, we'll reconsider it. Now, President Trump has not made similar statements. He was asked about this, and he basically marveled at how big the protests were, but didn't go any deeper than that in terms of weighing in on one side or another. But there is talk on Capitol Hill of taking steps in response here. As far as the second part of your question, there's been some reporting this morning from investors and analysts based in Hong Kong who say if the rule of law that protects us here, if this insulation from China breaks down, we might consider going to some place like Singapore, right, that doesn't have these sort of concerns with Beijing. So this is a very dangerous moment for Hong Kong's status as a global financial center. And the real concern here is that this bill doesn't just affect Hong Kongers. It's anybody who's in Hong Kong. If you have some sort of misdealings with the Chinese government and you're stopping through Hong Kong on business, you hypothetically could be subject to extradition to China. That's notable because I remember having Bill Bishop on the podcast maybe a couple months ago when some of the Huawei stuff was starting and there was the house arrest of a senior Huawei executive in Canada and extradition request to the U.S. His response to what he said to me at the time was he said if he was a senior U.S. executive he wouldn't travel to China at the time. But the assumption was, go to Hong Kong all you want, live in Hong Kong. This could change that. Right. And so what China says and what the leadership in Hong Kong says is that this only applies to violent crimes, to very serious financial crimes, fraud, blackmail. But the thing is, I mean, China does not have independent rule of law and independent judiciary, actually intentionally so. Xi Jinping has publicly said the party is above the legal system in China. So if they want to charge somebody who they don't like for whatever reason with one of the crimes that does fall under this uh, law, 
would we really be able to count on the fact that, you know, they would say, okay, yeah. actually it doesn't apply here? Probably not. And so that's another concern, not only for people in Hong Kong, but for, for foreign governments as well. Well, we will be watching to see what happens on the streets this weekend. Uh, David Lawler, editor of the outstanding Axios World Newsletter. Thanks so much for joining us. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the latest tech IPO, in which Chewy just raised a billion dollars. So for those who don't know Chewy, it's not a Star Wars thing. It's an e-commerce company focused on pet food and pet supplies, mostly through a subscription model that makes it, as Silicon Valley people would say, sticky. But it's not from Silicon Valley. Instead, it's a Florida-based company that was purchased by private equity-backed PetSmart a couple years ago for $3.3 billion, which is less than half of what it's valued at now through the IPO. So two things. First, this isn't Pets.com the sequel. Yes, Chewy is unprofitable, but the numbers improved year over year, and more importantly, the biggest problem with Pets.com wasn't really its model, but rather its timing. Remember at the time, most people didn't even have broadband access, let alone a willingness to buy essential items online. On the flip side, the governance structure at Chewy is a mess, with PetSmart having super voting rights that basically let it keep control even if it has as little as just 10% of the equity. That could eventually create some real cats versus dogs shareholder tensions. And finally, we now have some more clarity on the Democratic Party's first presidential debates, which are set for June 26th and 27th in Miami. 20 candidates qualified, including both Colorado Senator Michael Bennett and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who both barely made the cut thanks to polling data. On the outside looking in, Montana Governor Steve Bullock and Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton. NBC plans to split the group into a pair of 10-person fields and weight it so they're top-tier candidates on both nights. But it's still a huge number of people, which means this will be more about sound bites than about substantive debate. Or as Joe Biden put it yesterday, quote, it's an exaggeration to suggest there's going to be any real depth about what we're going to be able to get into in a minute. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great national Pop Goes the Weasel Day, plus a great Father's Day weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.